Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Much fun. Praise the Lord. Um, we're going to continue uh, this morning our series, Revelation Blessings, and uh, just go back into the book of Revelation. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, from, the, from the screen and also read uh, from, the, from the book a little bit. So, uh, so, if, so if I'm reading through some stuff on the, in the Bible and it doesn't, it's not up on the screen, just don't worry about that. Just try to follow along. For sake of time, we'll, we'll put some up there and then I may uh, read some um, from the book. Don't you love the book? Love turning the pages. Like I, I like to, I like to read it on my phone too. But there's just something uh, pretty special about opening the book uh, in my lap, sitting in my chair, cup of coffee by my side. Yes, hallelujah. Quietness in the house. All the kids asleep. It is wonderful, wonderful time. There are some wonderful, wonderful things in the Lord, isn't there? Um, like what we're doing right here, uh, right now, gathered together as the people of God. Uh, I, I know I know in these times that we live in there's much fear. Um, I know that the that the virus is real. Um, we've all experienced uh, the the hurt and pain and loss of it and and I know that it's created uh, much fear in our in our culture. Uh, but I also know that that we can look and see the day approaching. And as we study the book of Revelation, uh, it becomes clear, I think, that, uh, that, uh, that these times are near. Um, the book of Revelation, you know, as, as I'm sure you're pretty familiar, is, is talking to us about uh, much of what will take place. It's a very uh, special, unique book, um, it, it, and there are others. I'm not saying it's the only one, but it really speaks not to what has happened, but what is, is going uh, to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, when Jesus spoke of the end times, one of his main focuses was not to tell us the date and the time, because that's not for us to know, right? His main focus was that we would be ready, that we would be a people found prepared, a people found ready for his coming. And we know that that time is coming. We don't know when that time is, but we do know that we need to be found ready. So as, as events unfold around us and we look and see the day approaching, and if there's you know, any bit of the Word of God in your heart and the Holy Spirit in your life, you've got to be able to identify signs of the end times. You've got to be able to look and see the day approaching. And when we do, Scripture, scripture doesn't tell us to, to, to fear and to 
and to hide and to uh, run away from the Lord, it should stir us to, to passion and to, and to boldness and to, and to a deeper devotion to the Lord, to make sure that we are found when He does return ready. I don't want to be found not ready. I don't, I don't want to be walking in a field and who I'm walking with goes and I remain. You ever had that nightmare of, of like coming into your house and no one's there? And you don't know where anybody is? And you're like, oh man, did the rapture happen and I missed it? It's kind of a terrible feeling for a moment, isn't it? It's good to know like deep inside that that is not possible. I'm ready. I could not have missed it. But then when you do find somebody and you're like, oh, thank the Lord, man. Like if you're still here, like you call Miss Margaret, right? And be like, and she answers the phone, you're like, whew. You know, because if Miss Margaret's here, you know it hadn't happened, you know. We want to be found ready. And one of the clearest instructions in Scripture for when we see the day approaching, for us to be found ready and for us to do is to not forsake the church. To not forsake the gathering together of the saints. It's, it's an interesting instruction because, because it's like almost prophetic that, that Scripture knows, that the Lord knows that that's going to be one of the things that, that people will struggle with. When, they, when, when we approach the end times, it seems like they're gonna, there's going to be a forsaking of the church. And so Scripture says, that, that's going to be a temptation. It's going to be a deception. Don't do that. Make sure that you don't do that. So I'm preaching to the choir for you here, but for you online, I'm certainly not preaching to the choir. I'm certainly preaching to you. We, we, if we get anything right, I purposed in my heart when I was a teenager, I said, Lord, I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but, if I, but I'm going to do one thing. Actually, I said two. I'm going to do two because I've got a lot of failures and weaknesses and we all do, you know, and I know that. I know that about you. You should know it about me. You've got some strengths. You've got some weaknesses. I know I've got some strengths. I know I've got some weaknesses. Two of my strengths are I can preach, and two, I don't give up. And so I told the Lord, young age, I'll, I'll tell you, Lord, I'm going to do two things. I may, get, I may get some other things wrong, but I'm going to do these two things all the days of my life. I'm going to stay in church, and I'm going to preach the Word of God. We need to make some commitments like that. And, and one easy one that we can all do is, is I'm going to stay in church. And we need to be proclaiming this and saying this because this is not a time to give up. And it's not a time to depart from the church. And it's not a time to forsake the gathering together. It's a time to come together. Isn't that interesting that the Lord would stir this in this time? It, I've, been, I've been thankful to hear that it's not just me saying it. I'm hearing pastors say this, calling people to not forsake the gathering together of the saints. I, I, every now and then we'll catch David Jeremiah on a Friday. And on a Fridays, he makes a point to say, we're on TV on Sunday, but that doesn't count. You go to your church 
You make sure you're there. You record my message if you want to, and then you come home and watch it. Thank you, Lord, for men and women of God who will proclaim the word of the Lord. So if we're going to get anything right, let's, let's make sure that in this time uh, we're faithful and that we don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. As we look at the, the uh, end times, um, it, it's also interesting to me that, I'm kind of rambling, I'm sorry, I'm going to get into this. It's also interesting to me that a lot of preachers are being stirred to preach the book of Revelation. So in the book of, of Revelation, we got into to Revelation um, chapter 1, we got, we got to verse 3. Uh, in verse 3, we're going to make up some ground this morning. Uh, in verse 3, there is a blessing proclaimed on the people who will read the book of Revelation, who will study it, who will believe it, embrace it, know that it's true. This brings blessing on your life. Uh, uh, another word for this word of blessing translated here is, is happiness. Happiness and, and blessing often uh, are, are together there, uh, and, uh, and, and it helps us, I think, to understand that word blessing, to bring into it that, it, that it's also happy. Happy are those, it's kind of a cool way to read that, and not only blessed are those who, who read this, who, who hear it, who study it, who believe it, but happy are those who read this, who study it, who believe it. It's, it's going to bring a happiness to you because you're going to know what is to come and knowing what is to come really helps to wipe away fear and worry and anxiety and doubt. We talked about that last Sunday. Um, there's blessing and there's, and there's happiness from hearing this, from reading this, from from studying this scripture. And as we move in, as you move into the book of uh, Revelation, uh, you see the judgment and wrath of God poured out uh, on, on the wicked, but you see something else taking place with the righteous. There is the, the blessing of the Lord that is brought upon the righteous. And, and, and sometimes when you when you see blessing in Scripture, it, it may catch you off guard a little bit. It's like the, it's like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus, uh, where Jesus starts by bringing the Beatitudes. Um, I, I wonder if, if you were like in that crowd and before Jesus spoke those Beatitudes, if he gave you an assignment to, to write down your own Beatitudes, I, I bet they would be a lot different than the ones that Jesus spoke. If you were to write down like a list of people who were blessed, I bet it would look different than the list that Jesus gives because Jesus, Jesus stands and says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He ends the Beatitudes by saying, blessed are you when you are persecuted. For my sake. 
When, when, when you are reviled and spoken evil of unjustly, you're blessed because of that. How many, how many of you read those and you're like, man, that doesn't really sound like blessing to me, but, but okay. You can, you can not only look at that as blessed, but you can also kind of change that out for happy, right? Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So in Scripture, like one of the... One of the one of the things in Scripture that, that you know, so declares that it's God's Word are the things that God says are blessings and are the people that God says are blessed. Like, I, I think probably when we're being persecuted for His name's sake, we don't really feel like we're being blessed at the time. But if we look at it and, and really break it down and take a good look into what Jesus is saying, we'll recognize that there is blessing there. So this is kind of the same way uh, in the book of Revelation, I, I don't think many people would put on their list that blessed are those who read this book and understand it and believe it, it you know, in, in, in our American pursuit of happiness. I don't, know that, I don't know that many people are thinking, as I'm pursuing happiness, I should pursue an understanding of the book of Revelation. But here in Scripture we find that there's blessing, that happy are those, and blessed are those who read this book and understand and believe the, the words written in the book of Revelation. So as we, as we move into the book of Revelation, know that as you hear this and as you gain understanding of this, that this is going to bring blessing and happiness to your life, um, which, which can be uh, hard to understand at times as you read through some of the difficult things uh, in the book of Revelation. So, what I'd like to do is, uh, is, uh, is fast forward all the way to Revelation chapter 14. So, uh, you know, we, we only covered three verses last Sunday. Now we're going to cover 14 chapters uh, here this Sunday. And, and I'll just, I'm just going to move through uh, some of these so that, uh, so that we are, you know, pretty familiar with, with where we are when we get to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 14. So, you know, what happens here next in Revelation 1 is we see John on the island of Patmos in the Spirit uh, on the Lord's Day. You know, even though he's exiled, he's still setting apart the Lord's Day uh, for the Lord. And Jesus shows up and, and speaks to him and tells him that, that he's to write everything that he sees and to send it to the seven uh, churches. And then uh, John turns and he sees Jesus like he has never seen uh, Jesus uh, before. And, uh, and, and Jesus gives him further explanation of, of who he is and, and what he is to do. And then in chapter 2, uh, he's instructed, John is instructed to write letters from Jesus to uh, the seven uh, churches. And so these chapters, chapters 2 and 3, uh, are these letters written uh, from Jesus to the seven churches. So if you ever want to you know, read letters from Jesus to you, read the seven letters written to the seven churches. And then uh, Revelation uh, chapter 4, uh, John is lifted up into heaven, and he experiences, because he's there, the throne room of God. 
You know, if you, it's very similar to Isaiah chapter 6. The only difference may be, and I'm not exactly certain of this, but, but, uh, but it seems like this, so don't, you know, stone me for it, but in Isaiah chapter 6, it seems to me like Isaiah sees this event in heaven. In the, in, the, in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now, maybe he was brought up in there. I'm not certain, but it seems like he sees it. But John, we know more than sees it, he's lifted up into it. He's experiencing it. He's there in the actual place. And you, and you know that that's different than just seeing something, right? It's like if you watch something on TV, it doesn't do it justice if you're, it's different when you're actually there. Like it's great to watch an Auburn football game. I love it. But it's different to be there. There's something about the atmosphere and the environment and, and physically being on location. Like Colonel Greg loves to watch Mississippi State on TV. But he will drive all the way over there to be in the actual stadium at the place. It's just different, isn't it? John is... John is Lifted up into it and experiences it, sees it, hears it for all that it is. And this amazing event takes place and there's worship that breaks out. And John is, is watching it and, and, and hearing it and experiencing it. And, and he's introduced to the, to the four living creatures. And he sees and recognizes the, the 24 elders. And then you move into uh, Revelation uh, chapter 5, and, and, and he continues to explain what is going on. And in Revelation 5, he sees in the right hand of the one who sits on the throne a scroll with writing on the scroll, and the scroll is sealed with seven uh, seals. And then there's this uh, event of, of an angel proclaiming in a loud voice uh, who is worthy to break, to break the seals and to and to open the scroll, and, and a search goes forth for someone worthy to break the seals and open the scroll, and no one is found. And they search everywhere. I mean, you read it. They search the earth and under the earth, and, and, and no one could be found anywhere who could break the seals or look inside of the scroll. And so this, this so moves John that he goes to weeping, and he and he weeps, and, and it says, uh, verse 4, it says that he wept and wept some more. So, that, so he, he just breaks down into weeping, and, then he, and he so weeps that he, that he weeps uh, some more. And because no one was found to open the scroll or to look inside. And then one of the, one of the elders speaks to John and says to him, do not weep. There is someone who is worthy. There is someone who can take the scroll and break the seals and open it and look inside. And John sees Jesus, who alone is worthy to come and take the scroll and open the seals. And when he sees Jesus come onto the scene again, worship breaks out in heaven. And, and, the, and the 24 elders and the living creatures and the angels and, and, and everything on the earth and under the earth all begin to, to proclaim that Jesus alone is worthy to take the scroll, to break its seals, and to open it. And, and I, I think it probably needs to be said here, although I, 
I don't have much time, but to pause here for a moment and to say that that this reveals to us yet again uh, the falseness of one of the end-time deceptions. Reveals to us the, uh, you know, I'm going to say it like this for sake of communication, the uh, the onlyness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shows us again that He alone could take the scroll, break the seals, and open it, and no one else anywhere could, revealing to us that it is only Christ, that He is the only begotten Son of God, That He is the only way, the only truth, the only freedom, our only hope, our only Savior, that there is no one else. See, one of the end time deceptions that the Antichrist is going to proclaim is that yes, there's Jesus, but yes, there are many other things. There's not only Jesus, that's, one of, that's going to be the, the thing, and it, and it is now. There's, yes, Jesus, but he's not only Jesus. There's Jesus, and then there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this. That, that is what Jude says, that, that Jesus will be proclaimed by the false prophets and, and, and the deception of the Antichrist, that he will be denied as only sovereign and Lord. Jesus is not... Jesus is not one of the ways. He is the only way. He is not one of those who could come, approach the throne of God, take the scroll from his hand, break the seal and open it. There is no one else. He alone is worthy to do this. And He alone is the only name under heaven by which mankind is saved. One of the frustrations of our world today is that they long for and desire abundant life, but they don't want to find it in Christ. They want to find it and look for it everywhere else. And they're frustrated because nothing else brings it Only Jesus has abundant life, and we only find it in Him. And this is why we preach, and we proclaim His name, because He alone is Savior and Lord. He alone is worthy. How many generations have to pursue wealth and be disappointed by it before we will understand that freedom and life and happiness and joy, abundant life, are not found in it. It's found in Christ. And in Christ alone. And our world's frustrated because they want to find abundant life everywhere else and deny Jesus. And if you deny Jesus, you deny life. He alone is worthy. And so the only, the only worthy Lamb of God comes, worship breaks out, and they declare that He's worthy, and He alone is worthy because of His bloodshed, because of His sacrifice, and that He alone is worthy of power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And, 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 and the only worthy Lamb of God comes, 
approaches the throne of God, takes the scroll out of his hand. I'm glad it's Jesus, really. I wouldn't want to have to be the one. <laughs> hey, go, go take that out of God's hand. No, no, maybe Jesus should. Yeah, but only he can. He goes and, and takes the scroll out of the Father's hand. And in Revelation chapter 6, Jesus breaks the seven seals. He, he begins this in Revelation chapter 6, the opening of the scroll by breaking uh, by the breaking of the seals. And, and with the breaking of the first seals, this is the beginning of the end for this current age that we live in. You know, Ephesians 1 talks to us about, about the age that we are in and the age that is to come. Well, as Jesus takes the scroll and breaks that seal, the age that we are in is quickly coming to an end, and the new age will begin. So this is a, a difficult time that, that, that the world enters into, but it is a needed time. And if Jesus had not done all that he has done, then no one would have been found to take the scroll and break the seal and, and, and begin the process of bringing this age to an end. How many of you know this age needs to come to an end? It is not right. It does not work. And everyone knows it. And they blame God for it. They say, if, if God is good, then why all this? They recognize that this, is, that this is flawed and messed up and broken and not going the way that it should. They said, they said so there must not be God because, because this is not working. That this is not working because of our sin and God is on the move to fix it. And he will, and he, he has really done it, just haven't seen it yet. Jesus has done all that needs to be done, and so aren't you glad that, this, let me just say this, this is coming, but it's not here yet. The wonderful thing about the day that we live in, about this age that we live in, this age needs to come to an end because there are many not wonderful things, but the wonderful thing about it I'm messed up. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I should be. I just, the, the, the wonderful thing about Tigger's song just came into my mind. The wonderful thing about Tigger's is I'm the only one. The wonderful thing about Jesus is he's the only one. And the wonderful thing about this time is that we are in the day of salvation. That everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can be ready. We can be numbered among the righteous. We don't have to experience the, the judgment and wrath of God. But as Jesus breaks the first seal, here it comes. And the first seal that is broken brings about, the, brings about a, a rider on a white horse. And uh, I, I mentioned this one because he, is, he, is, he, he comes riding a white horse and he has a bow. But no arrows, but a bow. And he was given a crown... And he rode out to conquer, bent on conquest. I think, people disagree, I think here is the, here is the coming of the Antichrist. The, kind of the beginning, broken into that first seal. He's riding on a, riding, he's Antichrist, he's imitating Christ, riding on a white horse, has a crown on his head, and, and he has 
he has a, a, an anointing to conquer and uh, to conquest. So here's kind of our, I believe, first picture uh, of, the, of the Antichrist coming on the scenes. Now, now then uh, five more seals uh, are opened and those results, those result in, in different things. Uh, coming about, different uh, judgments uh, being poured out. In the end of Revelation uh, chapter 6, there is, a, there is, there, there is such, a, uh, such, such tribulation on earth um, that the people are calling for the mountains to fall on them and cover them and hide them, and they recognize that this is the tribulation, that this is what they heard about. That this is what preachers preached about. That this is the judgment that was to come. They recognize that this is, is, the, uh, is the wrath of the Lamb coming on uh, the earth. The, the, uh, the, um, verse 16, I'm just going to read it. They call to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of of the Lamb, verse 17, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand it? So, so there will be a, as these seals are broken and opened, there's going to be an understanding of, of the people of this world that this is God's doing, that this is what we're told about the great day has come. So then, uh, Revelation chapter 7, there is the the setting apart of the 144,000 and their, and their sealing. And there is a great multitude uh, that is seen uh, in heaven uh, who, who are worshiping and praising the Lord from every tribe and every nation and every language and, and every uh, tongue, re- reminding us uh, that in this day of salvation that we uh, live in, uh, that, that the door of the gospel is wide open to everyone who will come from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, from every corner of the earth. If you will trust in Jesus, hallelujah, and call on his name, you shall be saved. I don't care who you are or where you're from. And, and, and John sees this incredible uh, multitude that is, uh, that, uh, there's a lot of controversy about that, and we don't have time to get into it, so we'll, we'll move on. But, but, but you know, where, wherever they've come from, uh, there they are uh, in heaven, uh, the redeemed. And, and, uh, and we get this first uh, glimpse of the wonderfulness of being in eternity with God uh, as he talks uh, uh, at the end of Revelation chapter 7 and proclaims to them, uh, some of their blessings. It says, therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Joy read to us this morning about a shepherd, about the Lord our shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Amen? That's so good. That's, that's a crowd that I want to be numbered with, and, and we can be. So now, as you get into Revelation 8, uh, the seventh seal uh, is broken, and, and the seventh seal plays out uh, by seven angels coming forward, and they're given seven trumpets. And, and so then we kind of move into to another, 
uh, segment of God's wrath and judgment as these angels step forward and blow uh, their trumpets. And as they blow uh, their trumpets, uh, judgments, uh, judgments come, wrath uh, is poured out. In Revelation 9, the, uh, the fifth angel sounds uh, his trumpet uh, and there is, uh, the abyss is opened and there are horrible creatures that come up out of the abyss, and they are given they are given power to uh, uh, to uh, to afflict uh, mankind uh, with with uh, terrible uh, things. But they are only allowed to to come against the wicked. The people of God are sealed with a seal, and these beasts are not allowed to touch them. Amen. I just, I just want you to see the judgment and wrath coming on the wicked, the blessing of the Lord on the righteous. We, we want to stand in that number. We want to be counted among the people of God, and we live in the day where we easily can. All we have to do is trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, uh, Revelation 9 is kind of a, kind of a really telling uh, chapter as, as it talks about these, you know, these, these trumpets sounded to the all the way to the, the sixth trumpet is sounded in these, and these judgments coming. And then it gives, remember we saw in Revelation 6 that, that the world recognizes that this is God's judgment, that this is Him uh, doing this. And then in Revelation 9, this, this is really, you know, getting bad. And, uh, and the end of Revelation chapter 9, we, we see the world and their response to everything that is taking place, to all that God uh, is doing. Um, says verse 20 that the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent. What in the world? They still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Verse 21, nor did they repent of their murders their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. There's, there's no repentance and there's no uh, turning away uh, from sin uh, for, for the world as a whole. Now, now at this time, we enter into uh, Revelation chapter 10, and I so love this little chapter uh, in, in the book that it's hard for me to just move right on through it, but I'm going to. Uh, in Revelation chapter 10, you go back and read it, it's great. Um, what we see is John is, is being instructed that he is to continue to prophesy. That, and, and, and in Revelation 9, we learn that the spirit of prophecy is Jesus, that he is to continue to proclaim Jesus, that in this time, Jesus must still be proclaimed. The gospel must still be preached which is interesting because it really sets up Revelation 11 where the two witnesses appear. You may be familiar with them. There's going to be two witnesses that, that, that show up um, and they are given power to prophesy uh, for, for 1,260 days or three and a half years. And remember the tribulation period is going to be uh, seven years and so for half of that, uh, it's kind of a, you know, when you, when you think about all that they're able to do, this is kind of a period of time, kind of a long period of time. They are able to uh, prophesy and they are indestructible. They cannot be 
killed, and they will, they will be proclaiming uh, the, the word of the Lord and the gospel of uh, Jesus' name, prophesying and, uh, for, for, one, for three and a half years, and, and they will also have power to bring plagues on the earth whenever they want to, and they will do it. So, so the world will hate these two witnesses with a passion because, uh, because they will not only be able to bring plagues on the earth, but they will be proclaiming to them everything that they're doing that it's wrong. You remember when John the Baptist um, learned of, of, the, of Herod taking his brother's wife and John the Baptist went and proclaimed to Herod that what he had done was sin. You remember Herod hated him. And he took him and he put him in prison and locked him up because he, he was afraid of him, but he hated him all at the same time because of the judgment that he was proclaiming and because of what he was preaching. So these two witnesses will be hated by the world and the world will try to kill them, but they're indestructible and anyone who tries to kill them, fire comes and, and takes them out. So eventually they'll kind of learn their lesson maybe. Uh, that uh, and and you know in the age that we live in we see everything, so this is going to be on the news. People are going to be watching this. You know they'll probably be the 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 two witness update. You know or we tried to kill him again and and this is what happened. You know, and uh, and and so so when their time comes to an end, we see the beast, the antichrist again. He's he's going to come and and war against them and take them out. Because their time has come to an end, and, th- and this, this like is, is kind of the, you know, he's probably uh, already had some real fame, but he really rises to fame uh, here as he takes them, as he takes out these two witnesses. But we see here in the tribulation, the Lord still proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name. And, 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 and after three and a half days, they rise uh, from the dead, they lay there in the streets. Everyone sees it. Celebration breaks out uh, all over the world because of their death. Uh, and uh, after three and a half days, they rise from the dead and ascend <laughs> into heaven. Uh, an earthquake hits. People call on the name of the Lord. And then the seventh trumpet is uh, sounded. And at, at, the, at the sounding of the seventh trumpet, uh, there's, there's a pause and a break as we come into Revelation 12. And uh, Revelation 13 and Revelation 14, uh, Revelation 12, also hard for me to just run over because it is so good. I love it. Um, but, uh, but you can go and read that and study that. But, but Revelation 12 kind of leads up uh, to, the, uh, to, to Revelation 13 where we see uh, a kind, of a, kind of a deeper uh, um, picture Revelation, if you will, of the, I don't like to use that word, um, kind of a deeper picture of, of, the, of who the beast is, the Antichrist, as, as he arises and comes to power, and, and will recognize that he's going to you know, change some things and, and move some things and conquer some things, and, and, and all the earth is amazed by him and will even worship him, and they proclaim in Revelation uh, 13, you know, who is like the beast and who can make war against him? They're kind of looking at the Antichrist, the beast, now for their salvation as Savior and are thinking, maybe this guy can free us from the judgments and wrath of the, of the one who sits on the throne and, and the Lamb. And so, so we, uh, we see 
now the beast kind of ruling on the earth and some of the things that he's doing. And so, so this starts to really become a bad time now for the, for the saints, the people of God who are still on the earth, who in the midst of the tribulation with the gospel being proclaimed have, have put their trust in Jesus and turned their hearts to the Lord. And so Revelation 13 ends with the, with the, uh, with the, with the coming of the mark of the beast and anyone who, who doesn't take the mark will not be able to buy or sell or trade or do anything and will be you know, gathered up uh, and, and killed. Um, and so it ends with, uh, with saying, this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666, you know, which is, a, which is a, 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 a discussion for another day. But we do know this, and it's always good to say this, uh, if you do wind up in the tribulation, and there is the coming of the mark of the beast, do not take it. Do not mark your hand, do not mark your forehead, because all those who do will come under the judgment of God and miss out on His blessing. So now we come into Revelation chapter 14. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through some of this pretty quick. And Scott, when we get to like verse 6, I guess I'll, I'll move over here to the, to the screen. Um, then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb uh, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000. This is so important, as, as uh, Revelation 13 could be so difficult and so challenging, and things look so bad for the people of God, that, that before it moves any further, Scripture like pauses and gives us 14, where we see Jesus and are reminded that He is Lord and God and King and Conqueror, and that He is working to bring the beast to an end. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with Him were 144,000 who had His name and the name of His Father's name written on their foreheads. They're marked. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, like loud like a loud peal of thunder, and the sound I heard was like that of a harpist playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the, and the elders, and no one could learn the, th- the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. They followed the Lamb wherever He goes. They are purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Then uh, verse 6, uh, John, John, sees, John sees this. Then I saw another angel flying uh, in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. I, I so love this because now here an angel is given the gospel to proclaim, and he's going over the earth proclaiming the eternal gospel still to every nation, tribe, language, and people. So in the midst of this tribulation, uh, the, the desire of God that none should perish and that all should repent is still evident. And the gospel 
is proclaimed, and there will be those who do not take the mark of the beast, who hear the gospel, who trust in Jesus, who call on his name, who find salvation in him in this time. Though, though this doesn't give us reason to think that we should enter into the time of tribulation and then call out in the name of the Lord. No, the day of salvation is today. Today is your day of salvation. And we don't wait till tomorrow and we never put it off because we don't know when, when, if we, you could come to the place where you put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off that you have put it off. This is too important. So he's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name, the eternal gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 7. And he said in a, in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Worship the Lord, give him glory. A second angel followed and said, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adultery. So now the, 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 the first angel is proclaiming the the gospel, the second angel says, here comes the end of the kingdoms of this world. Fallen is Babylon the great. This, this idea and, and belief that will be in the system of this, this Babylon the great represents this antichrist system of the world that we see right now, that it will never be defeated, that it will always go on. No, this, this system is coming to an end. This age is coming to an end. And here this angel proclaims, it's coming, here it comes. Fallen is Babylon the great. And, and, and Revelation, as you move in to, to, towards the end, we see that take place. Which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Verse 9, a third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast, see here's, Here's why we are not worshiping the beast. We are not going to take the mark of the beast. If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of His wrath. This is not diluted in any way. This is poured out full strength. They will be tormented, tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? And it is terrible, but it is not our destiny. It does not have to be our destiny because we live in the day of salvation where we hear this and we say, I do not want this. And so we call in the name of the Lord to save us from this. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this judgment will not be for you if you will trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Verse 12. 
This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep His commands and remain faithful to Jesus. The people of God, that's what we do. We keep His commands. We remain faithful to Him. And then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this. Here's a blessing. Here's a happiness. Write this. It may not may not seem to be what you think it is, but it is right. Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. That in this, there, there's disagreement on this, but, but in this time of great tribulation, that if you are in the Lord and you die in the Lord that that is a blessing. Happy are those who, who die in the Lord from now on. This is kind of an interesting blessing, isn't it? Because we don't ever think of death as a blessing. But death has shifted and changed because of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And death for the believer is not what it is for the lost. Death for the believer is, is something totally and completely different. And this is, this is more than likely speaking of those who are in the tribulation, but it is also true for all of us who are in the Lord, who are in Christ Jesus. So, it, so, it, so now that, that the, the one on the throne from heaven has spoken, blessed are those who who have died in the Lord from now on, now something interesting takes place. The Holy Spirit speaks and, and, and says, Yes, says the Holy Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. They're going to rest now from their labor and all of their work is going to follow them. All of their work is not in vain. All that they have endured all the persecution that has come against them, everything that they have suffered through is not in vain and they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Now, just to get a better understanding of this, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll start at, start at verse 54. 1 Corinthians 15, let's start at verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the, sayings, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory is, uh, is he's saying that this saying that it will come true. This is a this is Hosea uh, 13, verse 14, right? Hosea 13, verse 14, uh, proclaiming that death has been swallowed up in victory. And then verse 55, there is, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death that has been this, this uh, 1 Corinthians 15 talks to us about the gospel, and about the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
and that if Jesus has died and been risen, then those of us who are in Christ will also be risen anew, and that death will have no power over us. Death, this undefeated enemy that has plagued mankind and has, and has caused us uh, unimaginable fear and that no one has escaped, now death comes up against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and He conquers death in battle so that death is no longer undefeated. Death has now been defeated by Jesus. And now we say, oh, where death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? 56. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, thanks be to God, Blessed be His holy name. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we say, well, very good. Jesus has conquered death and been victorious over it. But what does that mean for me? Well, in Christ Jesus, that means that we also, us, are victorious through the victory that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has conquered so that death is not victorious over us, that we are victorious over death. And we view death now differently because of the victory that we have found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit says, yes, yes, they will rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. Therefore, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, in, in light of all this, stand firm and let nothing move you. Don't let the threat of death or the fear of death move you. Stand firm and let nothing move you. Now, now is a time for us to persevere. Now is a time for us to stand firm and let nothing move us. Listen to this. Always, I love the word always. Always, because it means always. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There is a there is a blessing that is going to come to our lives. And, and we, will, we will enter into it through death or through the, through the rapture coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we will come to it. First Thessalonians 4 talks to us about this. You read that. We don't have time right now. We will enter into it. We will come to that blessing. And the Holy Spirit says yes that when we do, we will rest from our labor, and our labor will not be in vain. Our labor will follow us. And here we see in 1 Corinthians 15, as we are, as we are uh, spoken, as, we are in our, as, as Paul gives us this mystery of, of death and resurrection, he ends by telling us to, that what we should do here and now is persevere, that what we should do is stand firm. That what we should do here and now, yes, there's a blessing coming, 
Yet what we should do here and now is to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord and that our giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord will be worth it. Our labor will not be in vain. This is, uh, this is also said in 1 Corinthians 4. Let me read this to you. We'll, we'll pray. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I know that we may face difficulty. I know that we may... 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. You know, I, I tell you guys all the time I get my first and my seconds mixed up. Listen, I know, I know, that, I know things get difficult and are, and are challenging, but don't lose heart. Therefore, we, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Why? Because death is not the end. Death has been defeated. It, it, it is not my fear. You can take our lives, right? Revelation 12, we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we are not afraid of death. And we did not love our lives so much as to shrink from death. We are, we are not living to just stay alive. We are living to give ourselves wholly to the work of the Lord. Therefore, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Yeah, you know, every one of us who are getting older are recognizing this. Outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary. These, these are temporary things that we face. Troubles, yeah, we may face some troubles. They're, they're light and momentary, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is, why, this is why God the Father would say, blessed are those who have died. And the Holy Spirit would say, yes, they have entered into their rest and their deeds will follow them. Their work will not be in vain. Our persevering now our laboring now, our standing now, our saying right here, right now, though I may be persecuted, though I may be opposed, though even my life may be taken, I will do the work of the Lord. I will proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name. I will announce that, yes, judgment is coming, but it has not come yet. This is the day of salvation, and anyone who will can call on his name and find life and freedom and peace in Jesus Christ if we will persevere and we will work we are achieving for ourselves an eternal glory that far outweighs any trouble that we are facing now or anything that this world could offer us hallelujah verse 18 so we fix our eyes not on what is seen not focused on what's going on around me. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not worried about it. Fix my eyes. Not on what is seen. It's not on my trouble. It's on my reward. Mm. Praise the Lord. But on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our light and momentary troubles us standing 
and persevering in the midst of difficulty and persecution are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And there are those that we love and know who have already entered into it. And someday we will as well. But for those of us who remain, we are to stand and let nothing move us and give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord and our labor will not be in vain. Your labor will achieve for you an eternal glory that far outweighs anything that you have given up or struggled through here on this earth in this time. Your labors will achieve for you an eternal home, a room in the Father's house. Your labors will achieve for you life change for others. As you labor and work, you are filling up heaven. Lord, have mercy. Who knows how many people will stand in heaven and welcome Miss Margaret as she enters in for her faithfulness to the cause of Christ. That's an eternal reward. It far outweighs anything else. To see the lives changed because I would not be moved and gave myself wholly to the work of the Lord. Those labors are not in vain. And those labors will, uh, will achieve for you treasure in heaven, treasure that will not be perish or be stolen, but eternal treasure that remains. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Yes, for they will rest from their labor and their work will be rewarded. For those of us who remain, that blessing comes. For us here and now, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name till our end, and our work will not be in vain. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth. Thank you that in you we have a different view of death, that it is not the end, that it is us entering into our eternal reward. And Lord, we know that someday it is coming, but it has not come yet. And here and now, we know that we are people of purpose, that you have called us to stand, to persevere, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus' name, and we will. We will not give up. We will give ourselves wholly to the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor will not be in vain. We may not see the reward in this life, but we will see it when we enter into our eternal life. And we are thankful for this and encouraged by it. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I just ask you today, if you have not trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but today is the day of salvation, and today you want to call on the name of the Lord and put your trust in Him, I just ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. If you're watching online, just raise your hand. If you're listening to the podcast, just raise your hand and, and we will all pray together. Just pray with me and, and repeat after me. And let's declare and place our trust in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I believe 
that you alone are Savior and Lord. And I come to you and I ask you to forgive me, to change me, to save me, be my Lord, my God, my King. Let me stand among the multitudes who are your people called by your name under your blessing. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you uh, for your attentiveness. Thank you for your love for Jesus. Give yourself fully to his work and he will greatly bless you. God bless. See you next Sunday.